Father, you are greater than our greatest expressions. We can't even put the words together to say how great you are. You're greater than our greatest imaginations. And Lord, we just thank you for being who you are and uh, loving us as we are. But you truly are great and you truly are good. You're great and mighty in your power and your majesty. Even the very words you speak come forth with power, world-changing, world-creating power. Lord, we just thank you for your greatness. We also thank you for your goodness, Lord. You are loving, caring, patient. I feel like so many times I've stretched your patience so thin. Yeah, you just keep on loving me. I thank you, Lord. We worship you this morning for being who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, good morning. Good to see y'all here this morning. Y'all know the difference between horse manure and cow manure? <laughs> It's not a joke, uh, but it is, you probably never heard a sermon started like that. <laughs> I've never started a sermon like that, but I thought, well, let's, let's give it a try. Uh, the, it's not just the shape, by the way, brother. I grew up with an older sister that I ran around barefoot. She thought it was the greatest fun in the world, put my bare foot in a fresh pile of cow manure. But anyway... Watch it squirt up between my toes, isn't it? This day just getting better, amen? I mean, I'm going to give an illustration. I'm going to give an illustration. So, uh, and, then, and then horsemen, are, we would get out in the horse lot with slingshots. And I mean, they come in pellets, by the way. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me get to the point. The difference is that you can really tell what a horse has been eating. You can tell because they, they don't. A horse won't quit eating. If you if you turn a horse out in a the pasture, they'll just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat, and uh, and it just kind of goes right through the system. It goes easy in, easy out. Uh, that's how I see it. Anyway, uh, but cows work different. They'll go over there and eat, and then they'll they'll come over here and lay down in the shade, and all of a sudden you notice they're eating again. Like hey. Uh, they, I didn't see them eating again, but they're chewing. Well, see, a horse has one stomach, and it just kind of goes in and out and passes through. Uh, but a cow, they ruminate. And uh, they, they'll, they'll eat something, and then they'll bring it back up and eat it some more. Don't that sound good? Uh, Y'all ready for lunch? And uh, <laughs> they'll bring it back up and chew on it some more and swallow it back down. And they'll bring, they get all the good out of it. Amen. So cows are actually good for your field. The horses are not so good for your field. But uh, you're like, preacher, where in the world are you going with this? I have, a pur I have a purpose here. How do you read the Word of God? Do you just, you just try and get as much in? And this is, we, we want to get a lot in. You hear, you hear me when I'm saying you want to get a lot in. But the Scripture says that we are to meditate meditate on the word 
You need to, to bring it back to the forefront of your mind and just chew on that some more. Get all the good out of it. Get all the good out. Just meditate. I, 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 I say marinate a lot. That means just sit there and soak in it for a little while. It will change who you are. It will absolutely transform your life. And so how do you read the Word of God? Today we're going to be talking about how we read the Word of God. And, uh, you know, I should have been uh, a little more thoughtful as I picked what service to use that illustration. This one's live stream. So now, the whole world out there said, that guy's country right there. But that's true. We used to play slingshot wars with cab, uh, horsemen or so. We, uh, we want to ruminate on the Word. I want to teach today how to read the Bible. What I'm not going to teach you is a plan or a program on how to read the Bible. Those are good, and I use them. And, and I'll read through the entire Bible each year, different translations, so that I, I, I'm not missing things. But I want to talk about what attitude you read your Bible with. Turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 30. Deuteronomy, chapter 30. The nation of Israel is, uh, is getting to the promised land. They're right up at the promised land. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, we see God uh, in the previous two chapters is giving them the blessings and the cursing. If you follow in my ways, these blessings will come upon you. But if you reject me and rebel against me, these curses are the natural product of, of rebelling against God. And so in chapter 30, in verse 9, the Lord is speaking to Moses. And here's, here's just let me help you understand this. When God speaks to you, he's wanting to speak through you. And this is exactly what he's doing with Moses. He's speaking to him, but he's also speaking through him to the nation of Israel. And so in chapter 30, verse 9, The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your land for good. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book... Keep his commandments and statutes which are written in this book of the law. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And so then it begins to, to even explain even more again the blessings of the Lord. But verse 14, let's, now let's go ahead and back up to verse 11 again. For this commandment which I, which I command you today is not too mysterious for you. Nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Verse 14, very good. But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. Everybody say with me, do it. That's the whole purpose. It's not just to know it. It's to do it. Amen. It's not just to get some more knowledge. It is to transform and change our lives. It is to do the word. Now, you need to understand when it says it's not way over there that you need to send somebody over there to get a word from the Lord. It's not way out there beyond your reach. Here's what he's telling us. God wants you to know his word. He wants you to know. If you don't understand the translation of the Bible that you have, would you get one that you can't understand? Get one that you can understand. It should not be obscure and difficult. And, 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 and y'all notice that I don't preach out of the King James. 
I don't read the King James. I grew up on the King James. I have most of my Bible verses memorized in King James. But for the sake of the front row, I don't preach out of King James. I'll spit all over y'all with thee and thus and thou. And, and, uh, but, but get a scripture. God wants you to understand his word. And I want to tell you why he wants you to understand his word. Because he really wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. And so how do I read the Bible? With the understanding that God is revealing to me who he really is. And so we see here as he continues on, verse, uh, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Amen. It's a choice. It's a choice. Do you, do you want the blessings of God? Do you want life flowing in and out of your body, in and out of your soul? It, that choose this word, that both of you and your descendants may live. Verse 20, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice. Did you see that, verse 20? That you may love him. That's really what he wants to get out of the scripture. If, if you recognize this as just a checklist for you to follow then you're missing it. You're missing the whole point that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give them. I'm going to turn uh, one page over in chapter 31, verse 23. It says, then he inaugurated Joshua. Moses inaugurates Joshua, the son of Nun, and said, be strong and of good courage. For you shall bring the children of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. So he tells Moses in previous verses, Moses, be strong and of good courage. Moses then is told by God to tell Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Now if you flip over to the book of Joshua, chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 7 and 8. In Joshua chapter 1, God used this passage in my life uh, to give me direction. It was a very, it was a very transitional time in my life. I was 27 years old. I'd been traveling uh, different places in the world, doing world missions, and uh, and then this church called me to to consider preaching in view of a call. What does that mean? That would you consider being our pastor? Well, I'm 27 years old. I had no intention on becoming a pastor at 27 years old, and uh, and and yet. The pastor who, Brother Joe Smith, who was pastor before me, pastored this church for 25 years. I've only been alive two years longer than he'd been pastoring this church. And I'm supposed to follow that. And there were three guys in the church who were pastors. And uh, I, I'm like, Lord, I just, I don't, you really calling me to this? I'm just not so sure. And he brought me to Joshua chapter one. You be strong and courageous. I said, okay, Lord, that, if that promise goes with it, that you'll go with me, then let's do it. So that was almost 19 years ago. Amen. So in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all his people, to the land which I'm giving to them, the children of Israel. I need to... I need to back up for a second and kind of help you understand exactly where we are and what's going on. The nation of Israel had been in, in captivity in Egypt. And they began crying out to God, Lord, uh, deliver us from this bondage. And God sends a man named Moses. And Moses, uh, God used him in mighty ways in spite of his shortcomings. 
God used him to, to bring the nation of Israel out of Egypt. They come out of Egypt. They stand there at the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. God hands down the law that we're reading uh, about today and the Ten Commandments and, and more. And uh, God says, here's the principles I want you to live by, uh, the precepts I want you to live by. And he hands that down to them. And, and, and then they, they head for the promised land only to get to it and say, we can't do this. And they rebelled against God and turned away. And because of that, they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And now here we are finally back up to the promised land again. Now it's time. Are you going to have faith or are you going to have fear? Which one are you going to have? You're going to go in this time? And now Moses has handed the mantle down to Joshua and, and Joshua is going to lead those people in as God spoke to him and, and tells him, here's the plan, man. So verse five, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Verse six, be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them only be strong and very courageous. Let me just help you understand something. This is very good. I want you to take this with you and remember it. When you keep hearing the same things over and over and over again, take notice God speaking. I won't say that again because y'all didn't catch it that first time. When you keep having the same verse of scripture pop up, when you keep having different people say the same verse of scripture, Recognize God is speaking to you. You need to take notice. It's for a purpose. He's trying to do something in your life. He may be trying to do something through your life, but you need to take notice. God has spoken to Moses this word, be strong and courageous. God has spoken to Joshua this word, be strong and courageous. And what you're going to see in a little bit, if I were to keep reading it, the last verse, the people even respond to Joshua. You just be strong and courageous. We'll follow you, Joshua. You just be strong and courageous. And so here's, let's get to verse seven. This is where I really want to hang out on today. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do. Everybody say to do. Not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded, that you do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. How many of us want to prosper wherever we go? How many of us want to be successful in what we're about? Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it or marinate in it or ruminate in it day and night that you may observe to do. There it is again, according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Well, I want to be all that. I want those promises of God. Well, the promises follow the precepts. Precept is this, you get in this book and you let this book, it's not how many times you've gone through it, but the question is how much of it has gone through you? you. You allow this book to do things in your life, transform your life, but how you read it is vitally important. And I'm not talking about what order you read it in. I, I read it in different orders at different times. Sometimes I read it chronological. Sometimes I read it topical. Sometimes I just do a character study. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what attitude do you read the Bible with? Are you just trying to gain information? Because there's a lot of Christians with big heads and tiny hearts. You know what I'm talking about? They know a lot. They know a lot, but I, I don't really want to be their friend. Because they, they have a lot of knowledge and they'll use that knowledge to beat you up. 
But they really don't love you, buddy. They really don't love you. They really don't love God. They just, they just read it for information. And, and, and they, they want to, uh, to increase their pride. And I'm going to tell you something. That's not what God intended this word to be. It's not a club to beat each other up with. It is a sword to defeat the enemy with. But not our brothers and sisters. And so how do you read the book? I want you to read this book in a way that when you sit down to read the scriptures and spend time in prayer, that you do it recognizing that is God spending time with you. I'm going to tell my story. And uh, my story is, I told it the first service and it was super awkward. I almost got a little, you know, sometimes the allergies stir up a little bit. But uh, it's, it's, uh, it's only more awkward this time. So as a, as a 12-year-old, my next sibling up moved out of the house. All right, so they were, I'm the youngest of five. And uh, at 12, she moved out of the house. And so we lived on a family farm, and it was, it was nothing but work around there. And, and um, I had a lot of emotions going on as a 12-year-old. Um, there was complete transition in our home. Uh, and, and, and one of those was that I'm the only one left now. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done around this place. Dad travels to do work on the weekdays and he leaves a list behind of things that I have to do. And if I don't get those things done by the time he gets back home on Friday, uh, I'm toast. So, uh, I, I can just tell you, I despised, I hated his list of chores. So much so that I would I'd kind of glance over them early in the week just to see, uh, you know, what I had in store for me that week. But then I wouldn't even look at it again until I had to. I, I hated it. And, and, and a whole lot of negative junk goes along with that. I'm having a time with the Lord one time and I, and I go to get away for about three days at a cabin in the woods. And, and I kind of I go out there expecting my whooping. I go out there expecting, okay, God, here I am for you to correct me again so that I can continue. I'm a pastor at that time. I'm not a, I'm not a, 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 a rookie. I've been doing this for a while, and that's the problem is I've been doing that for a while. I've been approaching God like a whoop dog over and over again with my tail between my legs, and, and yet God never treated me harshly. And so how I made that image up in my mind. I don't know. I don't know where the transfer came, but I, I kind of think I do, but I'm out there in the woods and uh, I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm ready for you to ready for you to set me straight again. I got down in the floor and just, just kind of reading over this word. And then God just brought a flood of memories back into my mind and it messed me up and set me straight in a very good way. My life has been completely different ever since then. As I, as I bowed down and, and was just trying to uh, be a, a, an obedient servant to my God, he reminded me of dad's list of chores. And then he reminded me of a letter that I got. Dad had gone to Israel to do some archaeology work. He was there for a month by himself over there digging and and, uh, I, and then, of course, that meant that, that I had a lot of chores to do uh, to keep, keep things up around the house. But I got a letter in the mail, and I didn't get letters in the mail. 
I was probably about 14, 15 by this time, and I got a letter in the mail, and, and uh, I recognized Dad's handwriting. And as I read the letter, he was saying, this is what I've done, and, and this is what I'm going to do, and, and I've got some things for you. And, of course, now I'm getting even more excited, you know, and I got some things for you. But the, the, the best part of that letter was at the very end where it said, love Dad. Now, some of y'all know Dad, and he was in the previous service, and he just... He's just rough old country cowboy. And, and, and those words never came out of his mouth. But I read that letter over and over and over. I despised his list. Hate it. Cannot tell you. To this day, my wife does not make me list. I won't press. <laughs> but I loved his letter. I loved it. Because he... He told me things that he had done, and, and it kind of, what, what that does, it kind of lets you know a little bit about who he is. And things that he was going to do, and that sounded exciting to me, and, and, and things that he had gotten for me while he was over there, and that was cool. But the part that I just kept looking at over and over and over again, love Dad, love Dad. So God brought this flood of memories to my mind as I'm, there before him and I went out there I was going to spend three days with God I could have get I could have just said three hours and I because he so flooded me with that and here's what he told me he said son you keep treating this book like it's my list when it's actually my letter you keep treating it like I got a bunch of chores for you to do and if you don't do them boy you are in trouble he said, but what it really is, is I'm telling you, this is who I am. This is what I've done. These are the things I have for you. But most of all, son, I'm telling you, I love you. I love you. I've never read this book the same since that day. I want to encourage you, when you read the Word of God, please understand, this is not your list of chores. This is not, well, I better do this or I will be in trouble. This is our God saying, do you really want to know who I am? You really want to know more about me? It's all in here. Do you really want to spend time with me? See, here's how you read the Bible. When you sit down in the morning, you spend your, I, I, I pray that you do this. Make this a practice of your life. Spend the mornings with God. Spend the mornings with God. The scripture says, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those other things, they'll be added unto you. Seek God first. Make it a priority in your life. I, I want to I feast in this book before I ever eat anything else. I want to hear from the Lord before I ever even hear from my wife and kids. I want to speak to him before I speak to anybody. I want to put him first. Amen. Why? Because he is good and he loves me and he loves spending time with me and I want to read this book just like that and my heavenly father wants to spend some time with me and tell me a little bit more about who he is he knows very well who I am but he still likes me to share with him who I am what I'm feeling at that moment the struggles that I'm going through, the victories that I've had. He wants me to share that with him too. 
But don't you know that God is a good and living God. He's not dead and this is not some old archaic book. He's a living God and this is his living word and he speaks to us through this word and he will, he will illuminate a passage of scripture and it just becomes alive in our understanding. And so when we read this again, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. It shall not depart from your what? Didn't say mine, did it? It did not say mine. Now, meditating on it is to let it roll around in your mind. But it said, don't let it depart from your mouth. What does that mean? Don't quit speaking the word of God. Don't, it's not, it's more than just reading the word of God. Don't quit speaking the word of God. He said, I want you to tell it to your children and your grandchildren and your great grandchildren. Make sure that the, you have this book so ingrained in your understanding. He's like, tie it on your head, tie it on your hand, nail it to the doorpost of your house. And we say, well, that was the, the Mosaic law, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Here's what it says in second Corinthians. I mean, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, for all scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration. New, uh, I think the, the NIV says all scripture is God breathed. So it's like you're sitting there in his presence and he is just breathing out his word to you as you open this word. Read it with that understanding. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable or beneficial is another way you can see that for doctrine, teaching you what's right, for reproof, teaching you what's wrong, uh, for correction, helping you get right, and for instruction, helping you continue to live right. Amen. It's beneficial for everything. And, and, and so there's so many facets to the word of God. But I want to point out a few things of, of how you should read the scripture. Read it with the understanding. I've already said this, that you're spending time with God. Read it with a relationship in mind. Read it with a relationship in mind. That I am sitting there having a conversation and God is telling me what he's like. And who he is. And the things he likes. And the things he don't like. And he's also... Revealing himself, but also his ways to us. Knowing that as a living word, God has to speak to you, can speak to you in this current time. I need, to, I need to explain this one to you real quick. There are old books, and I can read those old books, and I might get some information. But this book is a living, is the living word of God. I have tied, had times in which God has opened up and spoke to me his word for that moment in my life. It's, it's amazing. I've got, I've got scriptures that got that now they are forever etched in my mind of, Ooh, God spoke to me with that word right there. There was one morning, it was two o'clock in the morning. And, uh, and I had to, I was still probably in my thirties, a young pastor, and I was supposed to be leading a pastor's breakfast. And some of the pastors in this breakfast were in their eighties and they've been serving the Lord for years and years. And here I am, some young punk pastor that I'm going to be leading. And so to say the least, it was my first, I was a little nervous. Wake up at two o'clock in the morning, uh, thinking, okay, I need to, I need to, I need to really begin praying about how I'm going to do the pastor's breakfast this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. I opened up to Psalm 50. 
And reading in Psalm 50, God just downloaded, has nothing to do with the pastor's breakfast. He downloaded my understanding right there. And the light shall burst forth out of Zion. That's the word that it said. Now that don't mean anything to you, most likely. And it didn't mean anything to me before then. But God spoke to me in that moment in my bed, laying there in the bed in the middle of the night. God spoke to me, you're going to Israel. I've never been to Israel before. Really, I didn't, uh, I really didn't have a whole lot of desire to go. God says, you're going to Israel. Someone had just asked me the month before, would you go to Israel with me? I'm like, eh, I don't think so. And then God spoke to me through that scripture, you're going to Israel. And now I'm excited. Why? Because it said, light will burst forth in Zion. And yes, when I went over there, God burst forth in light. Through his word and my understanding of who he is. And so I get over to Israel. And by the way, as, as I was walking through the hallways one day, because Israel is big in, in dad's life. And, and I said, uh, Christy and I are going to Israel. He's like, how are you going? How you plan on getting there? I said, I don't know. He told me that I was. And so that's his problem. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. And, you know, he took care of it. The Lord took care of it. We didn't. We didn't have to worry about it. And so anyway, I want you to understand when you read this book that it is a living word of God. It is the living word of God. And he can open up his word to you and what he is speaking to you for the moment. I need you to understand three Greek words. And I know Greek may not mean much to you, but you might know some of these. The word word is one word in English, but three words in Greek. And it is used interchangeably in the scriptures. The first word is graphia. And it means writings. And you, you, can, you know that word because it's like graphics. Okay, so the, that word is the written word. You are reading at this moment the written word of God. The second word is logos. L-O-G-O-S, logos. And it is the message itself. It's the meaning in the word. In fact, this is the word that's used in in John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The message itself, of between cover to cover, the message itself became a human being, and his name is Jesus, and he lived here among us. And then there's this third word, Rima. Rima. Now, I know that word may not mean anything to you, but let me just tell you, it's the most powerful of the three, because it's the spoken word of God. Don't you know that God speaks today? If you fail to understand that God speaks today, I, I, I pity you. I, I feel sorry for you. Because we have a real and living God, and he's really living today. And he really speaks to his children. And, and, and he speaks, and sometimes he speaks to this word, just like that crazy night in which he spoke to me in that one verse of Scripture. And I knew instantly what he was telling me. He speaks today. But now I want you to understand this. He's not just speaking to you. He wants to speak through you. Do not let this word depart from your mouth. When's the last time you quoted scripture? When's the last time you spoke it over your family? You spoke it into your situation. The, the title of the sermon is don't let it. And the point was don't let it depart from your mouth. What do you have to do to let this scripture depart from your mouth? Absolutely nothing. Not a thing. 
If you do nothing and you just grow passive in your, in your love for God's word, it just begins to grow, grow cold and you do nothing, it will depart from your mouth. It will depart from your life. But don't let it depart from you. Don't let it. Don't let it slip away from you. Don't let that book get dust on it on the shelf. Don't let it go, go dusty in your mind. Speak it. When things begin happening to you that are, uh, are, are putting you in a situation, in a circumstance, do you have to let that happen to you? Don't let it. Don't let it. Speak God's word into that situation. This is the most powerful thing when God's word is spoken to you and spoken through you. If, if you begin feeling depressed and defeated, and those feelings happen, don't let it. Just like David said, why so downcast? Oh, my soul. And he writes out this psalm. And, and in the psalm, he's like, Lord, I'm depressed. And then when I'm reading it, I got depressed. I'm like, Lord, me and him, are, we're depressed. And then David says, no, why? He says it again. Why so downcast? Oh, my soul. Put your hope in God. When those feelings want to crowd in on your life, don't let it. When an oppressing spirit wants to come and try and push you around, don't let it. Because you've been called more than a conqueror. You've been called victorious in Christ Jesus. When situations come against you and, and you think you're done and, and I think I'm going to walk away, those feelings start to happen, don't let it. Speak the word of God into those situations. Speak the word of God into your life. Don't let it pass from your mouth. I want to close with this thought. When you speak God's word, you speak God's word, the very voice that created all of earth and all existence. Remember in Genesis chapter one, there was nothing out there but God. And then God spoke and all of a sudden things come to be. Amen. There was nothing out there until God spoke. The word of God is the most powerful thing in existence today. The most powerful thing. And, and, and then in the book of Hebrews, I love Hebrews. It says in the, in the days of old, God has spoken in various times and in various ways. But then it talks about the word of his power, not the power of his word. We, we got to get the order right. He said, it's the word of his power. His power is there and it comes out when it's spoken. In the book of Revelation, we see these, this, this picture, this image of Jesus and he's, and he's riding on a white horse and, and he's coming back as a victorious conqueror and he's going to right all wrongs. And this enemy that has been wearing us out, he's going to defeat him and all of the enemies of God. And you know how he defeats us, them? With the word, and he says, the sword coming out of his mouth. The most powerful thing that you can do in your situation, in your circumstances, is speak the word into it. Speak the word into it. So if you're struggling with something, seek the word, and then speak the word. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the God who speaks, and you're still speaking today. You're speaking to us. And, and for those who have not yet uh, learned to hear your voice, you're speaking through us. And you're using us to tell them, oh, God's good. Oh, you really want to know him. 
You, you need to know him. God is good. And you're using our mouth as your mouthpiece. Father, may we be obedient to tell the world of your greatness and your goodness. And allow them to just understand just how good you are so they might draw near to you too. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to open up our understanding of the greatness of your word in our lives. Let us read it with expectation. Let us read it with an understanding it's about relationship and fellowship and our good God is showing us who he is. But there's so many facets to the word that, that when we begin speaking this word, things fall into alignment. When we begin speaking this word, the atmosphere shifts. When we begin speaking this word, oppressive spirits run. When we begin speaking this word, things in our life transform. It's the word of God. We just thank you for your word and what you've spoken to us individually. That you've done some things already. Oh, you've done big things already. God, you, you moved heaven and earth to come for us. And Jesus came and lived a life as an example, but died on the cross for, as our Savior. You've done some things, God. And you're doing things now. And those things are powerful and they're mighty and you're doing those things now and, and we're seeing you do them, God. And you've said, we're just getting gooder and gooder all the time. There's more to come. And Lord, I thank you for giving us that word that Jesus is returning and he will right all wrongs and he will set things straight. Thank you, Lord. But most importantly, you've told us in this letter that you really love us, that you're a loving father. Thank you for your love, Lord. We love you too. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we stand, the prayer team will be at the corners of the altar and the altar's open. You can just come and spend some time with the Lord. Or maybe there's something that you would like our prayer team to pray with you about. Boy, there's power in prayer. We got witnesses all in this building right now, the power of prayer. Cancer's gone and heart issues gone and family's back and there's all testimonies all through this house. But I guarantee you those great testimonies come when God's people come together and pray. And so you, you take advantage of this moment now as we worship the Lord.